From our headquarters in Oslo, Norway, and on behalf of our host, Robbie Peralta, welcome to the Mnemonic Security Podcast. Enterprise Architecture. A discipline for understanding how an organization operates and how it can be optimized. It involves the creation of a holistic, integrated view of the organization's strategy, processes, information, and technology. The one source of truth for what you have in your infrastructure and how it hangs together. But what happens if you invite security to the party? Enterprise security architecture is the design of a secure computing environment for an organization. Think about having all the policies and guidelines that you've implemented over the years mapped out and under the same context as your technical equipment, such as your firewalls, intrusion detection systems, EDR tools, and of course those next-gen AI zero-trust attack surface management solutions. So what would you be able to do, or answer, or convince somebody else to do, if you had such visibility into your environment? I definitely didn't know, so I've invited some friends. Nick Merson and Alonzo, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Or should Thank I say, you. welcome back to the podcast. Both of you have been here before. Indeed. It's, yeah. it's been a while. You have a different role this time. What are you I up do. to these days? Yeah, so I'm now the Chief Information Security Officer at a uh, SaaS company in Norway called Arlok. So we've been around for about eight years, and mm. uh, I joined, what, just uh, almost two years ago. Mm. Mm. What kind of CISO are you? Are you a selling CISO? Um, I, I try not to. Uh, uh, I try not to be a selling CISO, uh, but I do help sales uh, and uh, customer success and so on every once in a while when uh, you know, customers want to want to put a face to the function. So mm. uh, you know, we have customers who, you know, at, at part of, uh, as part of procurement, they at the very least just want to know that we have a security team. So mm. happy to jump on a call and <clears throat> have yeah. a chat. Yeah, I was just kidding. I know that your our last podcast was about security development, so you uh, you know what you're talking about. You're a great great hire for them. <laughs> And Alonzo, what are you up to these days? Still uh, working in Mnemonic and, uh, in the GRC department, but um, the reason uh, we sit here together is because uh, I've been so so fortunate in the last uh, couple of years to lead an internal project in Mnemonic that we have run, or we have created our own enterprise security architecture framework. Mm-hmm. And um, the last version of the framework, the last implementation, we actually have implemented in Ardoc, who we, we are not partner, partners with. Mm. So, uh, enterprise security architecture. Before we get there, what's RDoC? And what does that have to do with enterprise architecture? Oh, you want me to do a sales pitch? Yeah, yeah here you um, go. Yeah, I mean, right now, a, a very sort of um, uh, topical thing that uh, a lot of customers are asking us about is IT cost management. So, uh, if you uh, use an enterprise architecture solution like RDoC, uh, you might have modeled out all your applications uh, and what technical capabilities they provide and what business capabilities you have in the organization um, and you know, how those technical capabilities or applications uh, support those business capabilities. Mm. Uh, and uh, right now, a lot of companies are looking at how can we spend less money. Mm. Um, and so one area that they always look at is IT costs. Mm. Yeah. So uh, using an enterprise architecture solution, you can start narrowing in on things like, why do we have three different ticketing systems? Uh, and how much are we paying for them? Uh, is there an opportunity to consolidate? Um, so it helps you map out the you know all kinds of aspects of the organization. So in in one particular case, you might want to answer the question: 
are we spending more money on uh, on certain things than we should? Mm. Uh, and are there opportunities to to make life easier for ourselves and and uh, reduce costs? Mm. So when I ask a, a client of of mine and I say, "Hey, can we have a an updated uh, network map, an up, up, updated network diagram?" Mm. Is that something that would be in your tool? Absolutely. I mean, that, yeah. is, a, uh, that is another use case that's quite common is, uh, I guess, what we call IT infrastructure management. Mm. So, uh, you know, in uh, in uh, RDoC and in other enterprise architecture tools, uh, you have the ability to automatically uh, integrate with uh, solutions like um, AWS, Azure, and so on. So if you are cloud-based, uh, just to use the cloud as an example, you can essentially suck in the, the infrastructure mm. map uh, from your cloud provider, uh, your infrastructure provider, and then you can visualize that uh, in your EA tool. Uh, and then you can map and overlay and reference, uh, you know, okay, well, what technology capabilities does that give you? Mm. What business uh, functions does that support? And so on. Um, but so, yeah, like, you know, I, I used to, back in the old days, uh, you know, I used to be a penetration tester and we always used to run into the situation where, hey, you know, if you give us, you know, a view of your network, uh, then, you know, it, it really helps us kind of figure out, like, you know, where should we focus and so on. And they'd give us something uh, that was, you know, a printed out Visio that was, you know, two years out of date. So, yep. uh, you know, uh, a good use of an EA tool is to keep uh, an up-to-date network diagram and infrastructure mm. map uh, so that, uh, you know, it's actually actionable and, and useful to the organization. The one source of truth for what you have in your infrastructure. It can be, yeah. Yeah, ideally. What does that have to do with security? Actually, everything that you mentioned now, you can just change one word and put security and it will be the same issues that we have. Absolutely. How you justify that you have this uh, security product in place? Why you use this technology vendor here? How you justify those investments? How you how you are sure that it's not, or you are not using the same, uh, double money mm. in the same kind of technology to, to achieve the same kind of mitigation control? So basically, we're trying to, to solve the same issue. That would be this one with uh, how you justify your security investment. But in the process to build this uh, framework, we have built in a layer kind of approach. So we have different layers of the framework that will solve different layers of challenge that we, we face today. From, for example, uh, how you communicate to management. We have what we call the business layer on the top. It's like, okay, let's have some kind of concepts of how we can translate our security IT language is something that business can understand. How you take a risk-based approach, everyone is talking about, yeah, risk-based approach, what means that? How you choose the contours that are more relevant for your risk? How you choose which contours are you going to implement through all those hundreds of standards that are there? Mm. And nevertheless, coming back to the, to the last one, how you choose or how you're sure that all the actual technologies and vendors you have in place, they are effective in their, uh, in their work. So when, um, when you're being a selling CISO and they start talking about, okay, how can your concept be used for security? Do you have any example cases so far? Yeah, I mean, we have some existing customers where, um, you know, they, they initially, you know, purchased uh, a subscription to the solution uh, for their enterprise architects. Uh, and uh, I don't know if there was a hallway conversation or uh, a, a water cooler moment or something, but uh, internally, you know, someone in the security department discovered that, oh, we have this thing we have this EA tool. Um, it's got a whole bunch of information about the organization. Uh, and we are desperately trying to find out all this information about the organization. So, uh, uh, you know, uh, so you know, some of our customers have security departments where um, they realize that the situational awareness that they're looking for 
already exist within the organization. They don't have to buy, uh, you know, a separate tool or uh, or something like that. That you know, there's already one in the organization that is that is doing the, a lot of the job that they're looking for. Um, so, you know, we've got customers wh- uh, who will. Uh, for example, combine the fact that you know they've got maybe uh, a GRC tool with the fact that they've got uh, a CMDB, so somewhere where they've got all the application and IT infrastructure uh, inventoried. Uh, they've got a um, uh, uh, they might have a privacy um, governance tool mm. or something like that, um, and those are all kind of the own little islands. Uh, and where they found that uh, they got a lot of value was by uh, integrating all those. And so having one place where all that information uh, kind of coalesced and merged and became an ad, uh, you know, it was sort of the case of, you know, one plus one is equal to three, where uh, now they get even more value out of that data because they can uh, they can synchronize it across the, the various sort of domains in the company. Um, and so each domain gets what their, uh, you know, gets that added value and visibility from other uh, other departments that they that they were trying desperately to create themselves. Mm. Um, so uh, you know a lot of uh, you know a use case that we used internally was you know we we dog food our own platform. Uh, we mm. o- uh, we, we uh, so we use the platform to map out all our applications uh, and all uh, and our sort of organizational structures. So we have the ability in our platform to say you know. Uh, this application is uh, owned by a given department, so they have budget ownership of it. Uh, and uh, so the head of that department is the person who holds the responsibility for risk and, and budget and so on. Um, and so that was already in the platform. And then I come along as a as a as a you know uh, as a CISO wanting to know, hey, are we actually doing all the security things around our applications? Well, it sure would be difficult if I then had to spend months finding out, well, who's responsible for which application and then go chase them down and Mapping find out. out. Yeah. Um, that information was already there. So I could then add to that uh, to that information to, to gain the information that I needed. Hmm. I think building on that, what, this, what I find really relevant here is that you, you only... You have the information in place, but also you have the connections. How you, yeah. how you trace everything together. Exactly. Because one of the things that normally you struggle with, how, how you... How you you have this data, you have these people, you have this technology, you have everything, but how they, they are connected together, how, how, how things are, how the value change is built on. All those things that you can get that information, I'm not going to say out of the box, but at least it's one of the use cases that you connect all that information together, you're able to trace all those value change. That's a huge, huge benefit. Yeah. Mm. One immediate use case I was thinking of, uh, and I would assume that you're also focusing on, is that uh, if you're you know starting on a security journey with a client, uh, and they're saying, okay, like uh, where should we where should we invest our money? Where's the most bang for the buck? Uh, how would you use this sort of architecture for that use case? Um, if if we start there, what normally we do is that we we make um, call it. Um, assessment, a maturity assessment, we use the, the framework that they want to use, and we try to map where they are today. So let's see, where they, which security controls they have in place, which kind of technology, and so on. Based on that, and based on the risk they are facing, and based on the business objectives they have, we can say, okay, you should prioritize in this area here. Is where you are maybe lower, or is where you have the highest risk. Mm-hmm. So it's 
is this again this traceability concept? We have borrowed actually that that concept from SAFSA. SAFSA is one of the biggest uh, enterprise uh, security architecture frameworks there out. But the idea of SAFSA of trace everything together is something we have taken with us in, the, in our framework. We have simplified that one, but. The idea is that we can map everything, so actually we can answer that question. Based on your business objectives, on your risk, should prioritize on this specific security control because they will minimize or at least mitigate the risk in a better way than maybe using a different way, mm. in a different place. So you're working on things in a prioritized manner then? Yeah. Uh, eventually that's what risk-based means. Mm. Mm. Right. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that, Alonso. I mean, that's essentially exactly what we did when, uh, when I... Uh, came into to start up the security department in in Ardoc. I mean, we had security um, in Ardoc already, uh, uh, you know, spread out in the organization, uh, but we wanted to formalize uh, an actual department. Um, and, uh, you know, we wanted to aim for ISO 27001 certification. So first thing I said we should do is get a gap analysis or maturity assessment. So then we know, okay, what do we need to work on uh, in what priority? And so, yeah, starting that kind of security journey with some sort of, uh, assessment is uh, to me makes perfect sense. Mm. Oh, tell us a little bit more of that in, uh, in in reality. How was that journey? Um, it was uh, a challenge, but it was actually a lot easier than I expected. So um, uh, you know, the, a lot of hard work had been put into, uh, especially you know, the way that engineering and product in Ardoc uh, approach security. So uh, the the um, rigor uh, and um, Sort of maturity of the of the security uh, uh, activities uh, in uh, engineering was uh, was a was really uh, encouraging to see, uh, and so the the main part that we sort of had to address as uh, as part of preparing for ISO was uh, okay n now let's formalize stuff. Um, so uh, a lot of things were working, a lot of things were happening as part of the culture, um, but we needed we needed that formalization of. Policy documentation, documentation yeah. exactly, and and as many places as possible, we found ways of uh, not creating a document, but rather relying on the fact that we had a number of systems that were automating or partially automating parts of uh, you know things like change management, risk assessment, and so on, um, and just leveraging the fact that you know those those platforms or those solutions uh, can represent uh, you know the documentation that we needed so I guess yeah. I guess that has been a quite uh, a big struggle to make the auditors understand that you can do it in that way because the auditors I guess they still don't understand everything about infrastructure as code and things like that and they will want to see some evidence that they have in the checklist doesn't it uh, yeah definitely uh, you know I think the uh, it, it sort of depends on the auditing firm uh, and the auditors but uh, I would say uh, like a lot of auditors that I've spoken to um, still do love Excel. They do love a spreadsheet. Uh, so we did have a, a slightly um, a fun situation in a way. So we uh, not only are we ISO uh, certified now, uh, ISO 27001 certified, but we also do annual SOC 2 Type 2 audits. Mm. Um, and so uh, our SOC 2 auditors are fantastic. Uh, you know, they, they are very forward-leaning. They understand, like, we have a platform where they can come in and sort of uh, project manage and audit through. Um, and uh, uh, but one thing that they sent us was uh, you know uh, an Excel spreadsheet to fill out and saying hey can you fill out they sent it to our VP of engineering saying hey can you fill out uh, you know can you make a list of all the changes that you made to production and we do somewhere between ten and twenty changes to production every day mm. um, and this is a year like twelve month uh, audit span so um, so. We, we didn't fill out the Excel spreadsheet. Uh, we, you know, we pointed them to the fact that we'd already automatically collected evidence uh, in the GRC tool, 
uh, that integrated with GitHub, so that all our all our changes were already automatically, you know, visible uh, in the audit uh, platform. So, um, which worked fantastically because it it, get, it presented it to them in, uh, in a way that the auditors could understand, uh, and it meant way less manual work for us. So uh, mm. I'm I'm crossing my fingers and hoping that uh, you know more auditors will will kind of take that approach in the future to to be open to. Uh, looking at un, uh, underlying systems, or uh, or at least you know not insisting on Excel. Mm. That's the reality today. That's how mm. every, every cloud-based company is doing it. So yeah. you cannot yeah. come back to the old change management board, exactly. approving changes, and uh, yeah. they, have, they have to go that way. You spoke at a, an ISAC event recently. Yes. What was that? Uh, what was your topic there again? Um, what was the title? I believe it was something like Building Trust in SaaS. So um, I, I wanted to talk about not just, um, you know, the, uh, when I say building trust in SaaS, I mean two things. I mean building trust um, with customers, with SaaS customers, uh, so that they feel comfortable, um, you know, making us uh, or letting us, you know, store and process uh, what they consider to be valuable information about the organization in our platform, but also building trust internally in a SaaS company. So uh, you know, starting up a security function in a in a fairly well-oiled machine uh, where uh, words like CISO are uh, usually uh, associated with uh, bad stuff. Um, you know that mm-hmm. was that was a, a challenge in itself, and so building uh, jumping onto the the existing culture uh, and embracing that culture and seeing how can we how can we get the security benefits without fundamentally, uh, you know, breaking anything in the in the organization? Uh, that was that was the uh, that was the fun part and the big challenge. Uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, you know, I've I've had I've had developers come to me and say, you know, uh, you know, I, there are a couple of people that are really worried about uh, getting hired in this organization, and and one of them was the CISO uh, because they, you know they've they've been. Uh, you know, they have war stories from previous companies where they worked, and uh, you know, security is the guy that comes and says no, and uh, that that doesn't get us anywhere. We can't, uh, you know, at, uh, the security function can't be the function that just says no. We we have to be um, we have to play along with the culture, we have to embrace the culture, and we have to be part of the culture. Um, so yeah. Uh, what does enterprise security architecture have to do with that? Um, there is a connection there, correct? There is. I mean, uh, so the I guess to Alonso's point, you know, the 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 value from uh, enterprise architecture and enterprise security architecture is being able to trace that, uh, you know, that uh, get that visibility from top to bottom. So uh, you know, uh, you know, management and the and board level will have certain priorities, uh, and they want to steer the company, the organization in certain directions. They will have certain priorities. Um, and there will be certain risks, uh, and you know, usually when I'm talking to the board or the executive management team, it's it's about risk, and so they want to know: Are we managing risk correctly uh, and well enough? And so, we need to be able to trace uh, that uh, what we are doing back to risk management. Um, and so, enterprise security architecture gives us sort of that framework, that capability to say, well, we're doing this because of this risk, mm. uh, which means which could have this impact. Um, and the way we're mitigating that risk is through these uh, business capabilities or technology capabilities, which is why we have, you know, which is why, for example, we're spending a bunch of money on tools or, mm. uh, you know, which is why we, we get someone to do a pen test that we have. <coughs> right. You see what you're doing there is you are building your script for your storytelling. Hmm. So you're, 
as a thesis, as a modern thesis like uh, like Nikki's, not this old no no. You have to have this storytelling skills also, because when you're talking to management, we are talking to to people that doesn't understand security. You need to make it for them in a way that they manage to understand what they actually are trying to communicate, and have this traceability through all the through all the stack is giving you this script that you can actually translate to a to a good story. Mm, it's a yeah. It gives you one. Gives you something to have a conversation around, I guess, and it's uh, the, the single source of truth, as you said earlier. And I would also assume that uh, as a CISO, you don't want to tell people no, but it would it, it it's nice to understand how they're doing things. You could say, "I understand we're doing it this. I assume because it's for that reason." Can we maybe add this to that? And it's all so, yep. so you you could see how they're working and then add in you know security without being so intrusive and changing the way they're doing things, perhaps. Yeah, and I think uh, you know uh, uh, starting with why. Just to, to quote Sinek, Simon Sinek uh, is is sort of uh, one of the inspirations for my approach. At least mm. is you know uh, build a, as as Alonso said, build a story. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, don't just say, "Hey, we're going to do this now," or "You should do this." Uh, you know, there has to be a, a reason behind it. There has to be you know, what what is the problem we're trying to solve? What is the risk we're trying to mitigate? Uh, why you know, uh, why are we trying to do this? Uh, and one thing I've learned internally, for example, you know, I came. Uh, one of the first things I tried to do was uh, I said, "Oh, I think we need, uh, I think we need this kind of tool." So uh, you know, I set up a, a, a call with uh, uh, with a company uh, to try and position, a, you know, to demonstrate a, a certain security tool to us, and um, you know, I, I hadn't done my homework yet uh, because I hadn't realized that although we didn't have that tool, we already had the capability internally, mm. uh, and so. Um, you know, the engineering team quite rightfully said to me, you know, start with the problem, tell us what the problem is, and then we'll, and then let's talk about solutions. So, um, so, you know, that was, welcome. Uh, exactly. That was a very valid point, which is, you know, uh, you know, especially in a company like Ardoc, we have a lot of very, very smart people who've already thought through a lot of problems. So, uh, they might've already thought through the problem. Um, so I shouldn't come and force a solution on them, uh, without first exploring what we already have and and if anyone else has already addressed the problem in mm. some way already it's much easier if everybody agrees there is a problem and then yeah 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 but also also that connects with a new way of thinking of a thiso you are not you are not owing all the risk the risk is owning the different teams that they own the different solutions yeah. so you are there to help them to understand what are those risk yes yeah. so that's that's the way or that's the change that we we see you now in, in mature companies with mature thesos is Helping the organization to take decisions independently, where the actually risk resides. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if uh, if you'd asked me 15 years ago if I'd ever want to be a CISO, I would have said no. I mean, the the joke then, and I think a joke still now in in, in a lot of industries is a CISO is a, a revolving door role um, because it's it's the person you blame if something goes wrong. Um, but in more mature companies, we see, as Alonso said, you know, the the concept of risk ownership is is not something you just push on this sort of uh, scapegoat role. It's it's something that the whole organization owns, and each department has to own their risk. Mm. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, a CISO could be a revolving door door role, and it'd be fine if they were to come in, set this up, like uh, I don't know what to say, buy Ardoc and set it up, and then just then yeah, implement the controls and leave. But if that was to happen, right, and they come in, s- set up this sort of architecture. Set, you know, get some controls here that actually make sense. When they did leave, it would make the job ten times easier for the person coming afterwards, and you'd always have something to work around and have like a fundamental foundation. Or, 
Uh, yeah, I would say so. I, the, one thing I would stress, though, is that, you know, just because you've implemented a, an EA tool or an enterprise security architecture um, sort of framework uh, doesn't mean that the story's done. Uh, you know, it ha- it is a living capability that has to be nurtured and has to be maintained. So, uh, mm. yeah, uh, you, uh, you can't just do it once and then let it be. It has to, you know, it has to be, which is why we, uh, you know, uh, I, I like integrations and APIs and, you know, I'm a CISO, but I, uh, so I shouldn't be writing code, but every once in a while I write some code mm. uh, <laughs> for, you know, integrating, you know, ooh, it, this system over here has some really interesting data. Uh, it'd be really good if it was, you know, in our EA platform because mm. it would help us shed light on something. So the fact that, uh, you know, there are open APIs that we can plug into, uh, plug together and uh, and get data across systems Um Means that that uh, that enterprise architecture and enterprise security architecture information is kept up to date. Um, yeah. Mm. How important is that for you, or is this for you in your role today as a CISO? Tremendously important. I, uh, I was actually kind of surprised at um, um, how important it, it's become. The you know I think in the uh, in the old days it would probably be a lot of Excel spreadsheets that would need to be manually maintained. Mm. Uh, so you know. Uh, the month before an audit would probably be a mad scramble to make sure that we had, you know, Excel uh, files that were up to date and, uh, you know, accurate. Uh, and now it's more a case of, you know, we're still feeding that data into the platform, right? Right. Yeah, it's, still yeah. up, it's still up to date. Yep. Okay. But that is how it is, like, uh, within a lot of companies today, right? Excel's uh, chaotic before audits and everything, and everything's in Excel, and hopefully it's up to date. I, I, would, uh, I would say so, yeah. Excel is the most used ERC <laughs> tool in the market, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What do you use your time on? Um, continuous improvement. You know, we are, uh, okay, fine, we have SOC 2 and we've got ISO and we, you know, we're listed in the Cloud Security Alliance Star Registry. Great. Um, but those need to be maintained. So, yeah. um, you know, we're constantly monitoring our risk. We're constantly looking at how can we, uh, you know, build better controls uh, or develop the controls that we have? Are there smarter ways of doing stuff that we already do? So some of the stuff that we, uh, we've we done in the past has been heavy, been manual, uh, and then someone's had a bright idea of, well, if we do it this way, it's it's much more lean, uh, it fits mm. much better into how we otherwise work and so on. So it's looking for those continuous improvements uh, that, uh, that make sense to us. So um, for those out there to listen to this and working with security and think it's interesting, um, first of all, they can look at RDoc. They Indeed. can look at uh, mnemonic enterprise security architecture. We if call that's it what it's Mesa. called, Mesa, right? Mesa. Mesa. Uh, who should they bring to the meeting to make it uh, easier for them to actually get something, some sort of internal project going? Uh, so this is one of those areas where I think it, it's really interesting for security and enterprise architecture te- to team up. Mm. Uh, so uh, you know, I've spoken to some enterprise architects who sort of have the same struggles as security departments. They're, it's it's hard for them to. In some organizations, it's hard for them to uh, show the the value that they can bring uh, uh, to to the executive management team and to the board. Um, and so, and security has that exact same challenge. You know, security has traditionally been seen as the guys who say no and uh, you know uh, say we need lots of money because reasons. Um, and uh, you know, uh, you don't really know what the value is there. Um, they, you know. You know, security as an enabler has uh, has been something that we talked about for twenty years, and I think it's finally happening. Uh, and I think EA is uh, is having similar struggles, where you know EA is an enabler uh, mm. if it's uh, you know if it's allowed to be uh, an enabler. And so you know those two teams teaming up 
to talk about enterprise architecture and enterprise security architecture. I think they have a lot of common uh, ground and a lot of things that they can uh, they can they can gain from collaborating. Mm. And nevertheless, they give you a much more uh, wide perspective of the company mm-hmm. because uh, you don't need to be that silo separated. That you you get the the same benefits, you get the same the same data you're using for for actually improve that communication that you have with the company. Mm. You're putting a structure in all the data and all the, the information you have. And I could definitely see it being much easier for management to understand what we're actually trying. Why, why do we want to buy this or that? So why do we want to change these things? It's a much easier conversation to actually have when you actually have you know evidence in front of you and it's also in a visual manner. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, my my advice to you know if an enterprise architect or if you're in the security department make friends with the others because I think there's a lot of lot of uh, common ground. Make friends with the others. Ardock and beer then. Sure. Perfect. <laughs> and if you want to hear more about mnemonic enterprise security architecture, yes, visit the website. Yes. Cool. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Have a great weekend. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's all for today, folks. Thank you for tuning in to the Mnemonic Security Podcast. If you have any concepts or ideas that you'd like us to discuss on future episodes, please feel free to hit me up on LinkedIn or to send us a mail to podcast at mnemonic.no. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.